Let me read you this last line of the first reading for this Sunday. Okay. He will sing joyfully because of you as one sings at festivals. I like that. <gasps> that feels very pertinent. It does. It does feel very pertinent. All the readings feel very, ooh, rejoice, rejoice. Mm-hmm. I feel very excited. Me too. Party planning. Party planning. Yeah. Yeah. I want to have a party. Me too. But I don't really want to have people over. Like I do, but I want it to go perfectly. Not like all the things, just, you know, like I don't want to have to think about buying food and preparing food or think about a, a guest list. I just want the people to bing, be there and everything be done. Yeah. I think I'm lazy. It sounds like you want someone to throw you a party. I do want a party. Yeah. That'd be great. I think I'm going to have a party for my birthday in July. Nice. Is that the... Is that the big... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Four, nine, plus one. I want a party. <laughs> I don't know why you're being all... Uh. I don't know. I don't know what I want to do for my birthday. I'm going to yeah, be 40. because you've got a big one, too. Yeah. When it ends in an O. Yep. It's a big one. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. Would you have a party? My I don't know. My introverted friend? I don't know. What would it look like for you to throw your own party? Be a month of everybody leaving me alone. <laughs> You're allowed to send me a card and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. come over. Don't yep. expect a conversation. Your gift to me can be your, <laughs> your silence, absence. Your silence and distance <laughs> for an extended period of time. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Oh, you thought of me. Thanks. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And then I would just complain because I'd be like, nobody even cares. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that happens, huh? Nikki. Hello, James. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, too. Um, I am excited uh, that we are back uh, recording the Late to Church podcast. Welcome to all of you ragamuffins. You haven't heard from us in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot going on. Thanksgiving, Did we have the beginning belly? of Advent. Maybe. Yeah, maybe we're both still <laughs> sleepy from turkey belly. Um, you may hear uh, some noise in the background of this episode. There's a lot going on up at the parish. Uh, at, at St. Vincent de Paul, where we're recording As today, we prepare. we're kind of preparing, preparing for, for a lot of different things uh, going on this week, a lot of different ministries and, and uh, different events happening up here. So um, they're like cleaning and doing all kinds of stuff. So if you hear some noise in the background, just ignore it. It just, is the sound of the preparation for the Lord. Yeah, just chalk it up to the experience <laughs> of parish life. Um, so uh, we are we are talking about preparing today. That kind of leads are. us into our topic, which is really exciting. Uh, it's Advent. Uh, we're coming up on the third Sunday of Advent. Um, so we've we've gotten to uh, kind of explore this season of of waiting. The season mm. of um, Advent's not really a penitential season, but it's a time to really kind of look at your life, look at your relationship with God, uh, and like we talked about last year uh, with with the the variety of guests that we had on. Um, really kind of uh, maybe um, confront your life or, or to look at your life uh, from Christ's perspective, right? From God's mm. perspective. 
also from the perspective of um, of the Israelites, right? Uh, waiting on waiting yeah. on the Messiah for so long uh, in our in our salvation history, and then also from the perspective of the church, uh, you know, waiting for God in sort of all the different ways that He He interacts with with, with us, that He provides for us, um, and that's going to lead us into some conversations about our personal relationship with God as well. Yeah. So um, it's really exciting. It's really cool to kind of think about uh, the Lord in those ways and to think about his coming at Christmas as a as having a direct effect on our mm. lives, right? And, and I think sometimes uh, that gets lost. We could certainly talk about how the season of Advent gets lost kind of in Christmas time, like yeah. we think of it as Christmas time. Uh, liturgically, the church doesn't start Christmas time until Christmas, Christmas day, yeah. right? Oh, or or, or I guess, I guess Christmas vigil? Eve, right? The, the, the vigil, right? Yeah. Um, up to that point, it's, it's Advent, right? And, yeah. and we're preparing for, we're preparing for the Lord's arrival. Um, and that preparation is different than the celebration of, yeah. of Christmas. So lots to talk about today. If you've ever gotten lost or confused about Advent, about kind of what Advent means, we're going to give you a little bit of a primer and we'll be back next week with a pretty cool Advent episode um, with a special guest that we'll talk about next week. Yep. yep. Um, but uh, I don't know, sort of coming into our conversation today, I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, Nikki, I am really, um, this, this Advent season has given me a lot to kind of think about. Uh, as far as not, not only the, the different ways that I'm called to prepare, like personally, mm-hmm. um, but also how that, what that preparation has looked like kind of throughout the history of the church and in the, in, in scripture, when we talk about the, um, the, the Israelites having waited so long for the Messiah, right. As far as their, at least as far as their written word was concerned, they've mm-hmm. been waiting about 4,000 years for a Messiah. Which spans what, generations and generations. Yeah. And, that's a long time. And it um, can feel like, Ugh. Is he ever coming? Yeah, exactly. I would feel that way. Exactly. I'd be very impatient. Me too. Me too. And and I think um, I, certainly I can't physically relate to this, but I but I that immediately draws me to Mary and mm. her. You know, she like she knew Jesus was the Messiah, um, and her anticipation of him that must have been. Uh, while I'm sure it was a an extremely joyful thing, it must have been also terrifying. kind of terrifying and just agonizing. It's like, I want him to be here so badly. And then there's also like unanswered questions. And Mm -hmm. I I mean, so she knows. Mm -hmm. So the angel Gabriel told her who she was expecting. Mm -hmm. But, but I would think even still, you know, like, what's he going to look like? What's it going to mean for me? What's it going to mean for my, um, life with Joseph? Mm -hmm. There's so many, uh, questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that points to the fact, right, that when we enter into a relationship with Christ, um, if we're, if we're, if we're going in wholehearted, mm-hmm. right, if we're really committing to a relationship with Christ, our life radically changes. Mm-hmm. It radically changes. Now, um, in the church, we believe that Mary was conceived without sin. We just celebrated, uh, the feast of the Immaculate Conception, the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception yesterday, uh, December 8th. Um, we're recording this on my mom's birthday. That's fun. Aww. Happy birthday, mom, if Yay. you're listening. Um, when, uh, when, when Mary was conceived, she was conceived to be this perfect vessel, vessel yeah. for Christ, right? And, and she's given a share um, of her son's salvation uh, before, at least in terms of, of time, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 the chronological order of things on earth uh, before it had even happened, right? Yeah. Now, um, God can do that because Christ was already Christ. Christ is is God. Right. He's been around. 
you know, he's, he's eternal, Omega, right? beginning, and the end. Be- beginning and the end. Right. So, um, so the, you know, when the Holy spirit reaches down, uh, and, and, and overshadows Mary, overshadows right. Her. Um, she, she receives really from, uh, she's, she's received this blessing of salvation, this blessing of, of being saved from original sin, uh, from the time of her conception. Yeah. Right. But, but I think there's this, there's this moment of real purpose for Mary, mm. um, in, in that meeting with the Holy spirit in that mm-hmm. meeting with the angel Gabriel, there's this, this sense of, Oh, that's what this, that's what my life, this is what my life has really been about. Right. There's, there's this, this, this is what I've been building this towards. moment of, yeah. of real clarity for her. And, and, um, that clarity is so great. That clarity is so profound that, that we hear her, you know, in, in, like after the visitation to Elizabeth, we, we, we hear her Magnificat where she talks about yeah. like all of these blessings that she's receiving. And she talks about all of these ways in which she's saying yes mm-hmm. to this, this work of the Holy Spirit in her life. Um, all of that, you know, to be, to be placed on this, this one 14 year old girl, right. Uh, it's literally the hope of nations, the hope of generations, the hope of 4,000 years of this people that have been waiting on, oh, that's a lot of pressure. on God. Yeah. It is a lot of pressure. I just, it's so beautiful. And we can, mm-hmm. we can draw such a, um, a fantastic example of like mm-hmm. kind of how to thrive in the pressure. Right. From Mary. Right. Because right? she, I, I really get the sense of her looking upon this situation in her life with the most pure and perfect expectation. Mm. It's not necessarily anticipation in that it's, not, um, anxious. It's right? a longing. It's a longing and a, and a desire that is so pure and so complete mm-hmm. in its, in its love and its love for, um, this baby that she's yet to really, <sighs> to really, you know, get to hold and get to meet. Right. Yet she's, she's so, um, she's just so hopeful yeah. and, and, and so desiring mm-hmm. of this, of this time with Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and I'm imagining, you know, her longing to meet, the savior of the world who has been promised to his people. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, like her baby that she gets to have this intimate relationship with. Like I would, I would think that I would have like a, not a dual personality, but just like, you know, there's this, there's these two sides of Mm -hmm. it or two very um, different aspects of Jesus to her. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and how, you know, like I can just imagine Jesus growing up and, you know, like things happen when you're a kid. Right. So, so maybe there's, maybe there's a bully at school or Mm. maybe there's like, you know, a kid in the neighborhood that, that for whatever reason is, you know, is not nice or, or, or maybe the, maybe those interactions have, you know, aren't entirely pleasant. Like we don't really know a whole lot about Jesus's early life or his family life with Mm. Mary and Joseph. Right. Um, but I can only imagine Mary, you know, Mary was conceived without sin. She wasn't without temptation. She wasn't without right. a human life, right? So I can only imagine her, her thought processes, you know, kind of having to step back from those situations and, and to not be super boastful or super proud or super, um, uh, you know, dismissive of other people because yeah. she knows her son is the Messiah. And then at the same time, like if he falls and scrapes his knee, she has the right to freak out a little more mm. than I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? I got to like, protect him. Yeah, I got to protect him. He's, you know, he's, yeah. 
So there's this, there's this, uh, this real, um, uh, we can, we can, we can pull a lot about our own humanity and our own response to Jesus by looking at kind of what Mary's challenges must have been mm-hmm. as the mother of a child, right? Which a lot of us can relate to. Um, and then the, the mother of God, right? right? And so those two titles being, um, being both very important and then her having to kind of balance those things. Very weighty. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. Um, so Mary, um, Mary spends this time of preparation, uh, you know, really, um, uh, you know, we, we, we read in Luke's gospel, we read through kind of throughout the gospels at this, this time of, of, you know, after the annunciation, after she receives, uh, this message from Gabriel and, and the Holy spirit, um, you know, overshadows her, uh, she's pregnant with child. So she, we don't really see anything in scripture that gives us any reason to think that she ever balked at any yeah, of this, right? Yeah, she yeah. kind of goes, uh, you know, head first. She kind of dives head first into, which is beautiful. It's, it's a trusting response yeah, into this, into this relationship with, mm-hmm. with the savior. Right. And, and to me, that's just the ultimate example of Advent, mm. right? Is that it's not necessarily that you're, you're waiting in kind of this still position, like, like the Lord wants you to, to be still and to know that, that he is the Lord. Um, he doesn't want you to necessarily be distracted or feel like you're, you're, you know, the weight of the world is upon your shoulders, mm-hmm. but he does that want anxious you, waiting. Yeah. But he does want you to be participating. Mm-hmm. He does want you to, to, to be, you know, moving towards him and sometimes like running towards him full speed. Right. He, mm. he, he, he wants that for you because, um, he's, he's waiting for us too. Mm. Right. And so, um, there's this, this just to me, that example of Mary of, of her making those preparations that any good mother would make when she knows she's pregnant. And then beyond that, her, her spiritual life can only imagine her in spirit growing and growing Mm. and growing and growing and and just kind of, you know, spending maybe even days at a time contemplating what does this all mean? This life with Jesus. Right. And, and I think that's our model for Advent, Mm. right? That's our model for Advent. That's really going to help us to open, open up the doors to Christ when he comes at Christmas. Um, that's beautiful. We're also kind of looking at Advent in this, in, in a couple other senses of, of Jesus's coming to us. Advent Mm -hmm. means coming, right? It means coming forth. Um, so the, as we mentioned earlier, the, the Israelites had been waiting on a savior for 4,000 years. They've been writing about it and prophesying it, uh, for a long time. And so, um, like at what point do they give up? Like, I, I just feel like the, the, the humanity of Nikki would be like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is never happening. <laughs> yeah. Or, or if you're, or if you're hearing, you know, I can just imagine kind of being a kid, um, you know, at, uh, you know, at kind of at your, your, your father's knee or your mother's knee, like hearing these stories, these old Testament yeah. stories and being like, seriously, it was 4,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. Like, Y'all I, still waiting? <laughs> what is happening? You know, and, and, and maybe, and maybe there are folks out there listening that, hear the gospels and they say this happened 2000 years ago it's not relevant anymore oof right this is not this is not a thing right this is not a thing that anybody cares about anymore mm-hmm. um and i think advent is kind of the the balm for that ache as well mm. uh, in the sense that that there is something um very human about waiting about having hope about sort of persevering through time right because Ooh, because time is yeah. time is so you know and the experience of time is like so subjective i mean you know some people go through things and 
and they love that, you know, well, it, it took me a long time to heal uh-huh. or, or it took me, um, you know, a long time to move past this obstacle or whatever. Uh, and you hear people kind of exp- express that experience or articulate that experience. And for some, it's very joyful. And then for some, it's just excruciating. It's painful. It just, you yeah. know, it took months and months and months for me to get over, you know, this ailment or this, you know, issue or whatever. Um, so I think our, our response to that is varied. And I think overall, we can take a lot from um, the Israelites of the Old Testament and, and especially around the time of, of John the Baptist in the second reading that we heard at Advent, so two weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, when things kind of finally come to fruition and when things are, when, you know, when we're starting to see the signs of the Lord's coming, um, John the Baptist is so, uh, he's so intentional and so joyful to the point of being like a little weird and awkward. It, it causes us a pause, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. whoa, what's yeah. up with this guy? Yeah, that guy's a little strange. Yeah. He lives in the desert and eats bugs. Well, his strangeness, I think, yeah, it, it causes us to stop and reflect mm-hmm. or at least question in these oh. yeah absolutely yeah so in these in these uh these first three readings we've had at advent in the in the second reading um uh from luke's gospel uh he's he's quoting isaiah he's saying uh um a voice of one crying out in the desert prepare the way of the lord make straight his paths every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low the winding roads shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John the Baptist is preaching not only from authority, from, you know, this idea that he's been given this authority to go out and preach this news, but he's also preaching about the, the earthly dominion, the earthly authority of Christ. And that's something we don't necessarily think about. Even Christ himself kind of says, okay, that's not as important as my heavenly authority, as my heavenly dominion. I might right? need you to unpack that a little bit more. So, okay. So, so John, John is saying that a king is coming and mm-hmm. he's explaining it in, uh, not only in sort of the, 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 the parlance of the old Testament, mm-hmm. right? The, the vocabulary of the old of Testament, what they're expecting of and, what they're expecting. Right. He's also saying, this is going to be a real thing. Right. So, okay. so we've been waiting for this for 4,000. now, a human yeah, is coming. There is going to be someone that has, um, you know, not only authority over, over, you know, people and places and that kind of thing, but also authority over nature and authority over oh. sins and authority oh. over, like, like this, when we say authority, oh. this person is going to mm. be able to move mountains, right? And, and not just the mountains, um, you know, not just this this sort of metaphor metaphorical idea of like mm-hmm. a, a mountain road moving, but the mountains in your heart, the mountains that that move when we need societal change, social social change, right? The the, the mountains that that have to move when, um, you know, when when you look at uh, the you know the world that has been stained by sin, right? That's been hurt by sin. In order for that that stain to be undone, for all of those knots to be undone, mm-hmm. like that person's got to have some real authority. That person's got to be powerful, well, right? Yeah. And so, so, so John is kind of reminding everyone, like, hey, hey, this this guy that's coming, he's the real deal, and it's not about sort of our petty ideas or expectations about who he's going to be, right? Yeah. Um, he's not just going to be a guy who rides in on an elephant. And and like destroys the Roman army. So, yeah. So think, what, think beyond that. To to John, the thinking is much greater. Yeah. Right. 
And so um, that I think encourages us, encourages us, if I can say that, I can say the word us. Um, I said us, that was weird. Oh. <laughs> um, that encourages us uh, to think about that authority that, you know, that Christ the King uh, coming into our own lives, right? And, and being that authority in our own lives, right? Is he, is he making straight the paths of our heart so that we have the shortest distance between our heart and his heart, mm. right? Is he, is he smoothing, smoothing those rough edges, uh, those, those rough ways? Um, are we allowing him to do that in our own That's hearts, it. in our own minds, right? Um, and then this last line that I, that I love, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Yeah, that's an All, interesting term. Because at the Jews at that time, they thought that the Messiah was only going to be for the Jews. Oh, And yeah. so even in even in Isaiah, right, who John is quoting here, we're already hearing that Jesus is coming for the whole world, mm. right, for, for everyone. And so it's just such a beautiful thing to think that not only is he coming for everyone, but he's also coming for me. Yeah. Right, me specifically. Um, 2000, mm. however many years later, right? Um, that he's coming for me specifically. Um, God, God kind of, I don't say he hides this in scripture or that, but he, he does leave it there for us to find, right? And, it's like little Easter eggs mm-hmm. that we get to um, discover. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, like he's coming for us and he's very, um, adamant and sure that this is what he's doing for us, but he still is uh, gentle and a gentleman and allows for us to make the decision on our own, mm-hmm. whether we're going to welcome sure. him mm-hmm. like a king, or are we going to ignore him with our busyness mm-hmm. and our haste? Mm-hmm. Oof. And and, and that's know, what makes Advent so personal. It like is. it can be it is. a personal preparation. Mm-hmm. So we've got this, we've got this, uh, this call to be personally prepared. We've got this call to, to understand that this preparation had been ongoing for essentially since, since revelation began, right? So since, since scripture began, um, we've been waiting, Yeah. right? We've been waiting. So from literally the first, from Moses, the first guy to write down some scripture, uh, we've been waiting for, for this King to show up. And, um, and then again, to kind of bring it back to Mary, uh, we're, we're, we're called to have this, this personal experience with, with, um, you know, with the Messiah coming, we're called to understand this sort of historical narrative. And then we're also called to anticipate Jesus the way that Mary is anticipating mm. the, you know, the, the way that Mary is waiting for him. Yeah. We're, we're called to emulate that and to, to have this joy that not just that Jesus is going to come and solve all our problems, not that he's just going to come and like make us straighten up and fly right, but that he's going to come and have a relationship with us. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so I have four kids for two of my kids. I was pregnant during Christmas Mm -hmm. and that has to be the most magical time in my life because there's, yeah, you're reading the scripture and listening to scripture and anticipating Mm -hmm. and that anticipation's like so real Mm -hmm. and uh, palpable. That's very cool. Mm. That's very cool. There's, um, in the, in the, uh, one of my third, one of my favorite, uh, scriptures from really from the Advent season is coming up, uh, this next, um, or it, I'm, I'm sorry, it was the one that we just had. Um, was it the one we just had? 
The smooth in the mountains? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, it's, it's, it's coming up this Sunday. Sorry, ah. I, was, I was confused. Uh, but it's, it's the third Sunday of Advent, right? Um, and it's the one where, where John, um, in the second half of the reading, uh, and this is the part that I really like mm. that originally kind of hooked me, is John talks about, um, you know, kind of what we should expect of Christ when he comes. That the, It says, now the people were, all, were filled with expectation and all were asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. John answered them all saying, I am baptizing you with water. One mightier than I is coming. I am not worthy to loosen the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, right? That Jesus is coming and he means business, mm-hmm. okay? But before that, before that, in the paragraph before that, and this is from the Gospel of Luke chapter 3, um, the crowds asked John the Baptist, what should we do? He said to them in reply, whoever has two cloaks should share with the person who has none. Whoever has food should do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what should we do? He answered them, Stop collecting more than what is prescribed. The soldiers also asked him, And what is it that we should do? He told them, Do not practice extortion, do not falsely accuse anyone, and be satisfied with your wages. Mm. There's already this sense of the gospel Mm. changing people's lives, Mm -hmm. changing people's behavior, changing people's understanding of what it means to be human. And the way they actually live. Yes. And Jesus has not even really taken his place as Christ yet. Mm. He's, you know, for all we know, he's still hanging out in Nazareth building things, right? Like, like there's not really, um, you know, John, John is really the only one making any noise about it. Yeah. And it's already emanating from Christ so powerfully, right? Emanating from the Holy Spirit so powerfully. That John the Baptist is passionate about it. And, and, and he's saying, Hey, look, this is what the deal is going to be. John has this really beautiful Mm. understanding of, of, I think probably scripture. We, mm-hmm. we, we we're pretty sure that he was in a scene, which was kind of this sect of um, of the Jewish religion uh, that that kind of kept to themselves. Uh, they lived in the desert. Um, it was it was a, a community of, of just about all men, right? Um, their interactions with women were very limited, if at all. Um, they um, and they basically contemplated scripture. That's what mm. they did, right? So they 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 not unlike. Um, a lot of religious orders today, mm-hmm. right? They spent time contemplating God, uh, philosophizing and, and thinking about um, God showing up and, and what the scriptures meant. And so this, this doesn't, you know, it's, this is not just like some pixie dust that the Holy Spirit sprinkles on John mm-hmm. and he knows Quite everything. The visual. He's actually, he's actually committed his life to this. Mm-hmm. He's committed his life to figuring this out and to allowing God to kind of show him these truths. Mm-hmm. And so for him to, to, to already be kind of echoing the themes of the gospel or, or I say prologuing the themes yeah. of the gospel, right? Like, Hey, we, we have to treat each other better. We have to love yeah. one another better. We, you know, we have to share our possessions. We have to, to take care of each other. Um, that also, I think teaches us a lot about expectation, right? Oof. So what are, what are my personal mm. responsibilities in this relationship with God? And how is God using this Advent time, like he used John's time in the desert, how is he using this Advent time to open my heart up to, to That's a, big. a deeper relationship with him? May I share something with you? Absolutely. Okay, I'm, feel, I'm hearing a song in my head that was um, new to me up until a few weeks ago mm-hmm. when, when my friend wanted to play it for um, a worship night. Shadow Step by Hillsong. I don't know it. it. Well, I didn't. Well, I kind of like knew it 
um, as an acquaintance, but now it's a good friend of mine because there's like part of the refrain is move me like you do the mountains, move me like you do the wind. And it's all about him being right here by your side. But the Mm -hmm. idea that Advent is a time for us to kind of come to a reckoning of what his expectations are for us and the involvement that he wants to have Mm -hmm. in my personal life, as Mm -hmm. well as, you know, on the world as a whole or as on humanity. Um, the magnitude of it is, uh, beyond comprehension, but I take some comfort in, um, the idea that the big mountains in the world, the physical Mm -hmm. actual mountains that he can move those, then why would I not perceive that he could do that to the things that are mountains in my Mm -hmm. personal life? There's, there's a, um, there's a, yeah, I think, I think, and, and you were, uh, the big word that I heard in there was involvement, mm. right? The fact that God wants to be involved, like he, he, if we look back at the creation story, he creates mankind in his image and likeness, and then he chooses to live with us in the Garden yeah. of Eden. He wants, like, like we are made to be companions, to make, we're made to be fraternal with God, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that, I mean, whether, whether, you know, if you, if you look at God from maybe a, a, a very humble approach, like I'm not worthy, right. To kind of be around God, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at, at it from a, you know, maybe a little more narcissistic approach, like eh, God, you know, I am who I am. Right. And God can get on board or not. That doesn't make sense either. Oh. We're like, why would, why would God, why would God want that? Like, why would yeah. he invite us into that? Except that he loves us. Right. Um, my dad used to tell me all the time, um, the iron in your blood was made in a supernova. That's the only okay. place, that's the only place with enough pressure and force and everything naturally to make iron is in a supernova, an exploding star. Wow. So God made the iron in your blood in an exploding star. You cannot live without iron. Wow. You cannot live without like, you know, iron like pumping through your your veins right and 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 animals can't live and plants can't live like it's it's essential so god takes the time and also the the energy the the power i don't even know what to call it but the 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 intention he has the intention of creating you and he explodes a star wow however many millions of years ago right now and then he's that creative and then he's that creative right could have just Done you know, it. like, and, and, and the fact that it had to make sense and that he knew that someone eventually, some human being like me, right, would think about that and, and, be, wowed. and be wowed by it or, or maybe be drawn a little bit closer to him. Like the fact that that's all kind of thought out and planned, right? So when we, when you think about that and you look at Advent and you think about the steps that God has to take to become a human being, right, to become a little baby in a manger, you realize in a, in a very radical way, as human beings, all the stuff that we have to do to prepare at Advent, all the stuff that we have to do to prepare for Christmas, or if you feel like it's a complete mess and you're just lost in the hustle and bustle of Christmas time, or you're worried about how much money it's going to cost, or the in-laws are coming over, or whatever things, right? I think God at Advent is really trying to tell us it's not about us. Yeah. It's not about us. Yeah. But then 
in the birth of Christ and in this gift that Christ is, he's telling us it's all about you. Mm. Right. So that so feels a little conflicting. It does feel a little conflicting, but I think it depends on your, on your perspective. Mm. Right. So you recognize that, that the things that maybe would distract you from God or distract you from really engaging in Christmas time, engaging in the holidays, engaging in, you know, maybe your in-laws come over and you have a great time and you, and you completely miss the great time because you're expecting this other awful time, mm-hmm. right? God is asking us to be a little bit mindful of his presence. He's asking us to be a little bit aware that maybe we don't have all the answers. Like the Israelites who are waiting for a king that's going to that's gonna command armies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, right? Now, now, many of them were very, very aware of, you know, like St. John the Baptist, were very, very aware that... Messiah was going to come and, and be yeah and, and be, be present he, among us exactly right in the flesh. Um, but regardless, God is asking us to to anticipate to 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 have the expectations of Mary to kind of put mm-hmm. on that that um, that really hopeful desire mm-hmm. of everything being focused on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when we're really really focused in that way, um, Christmas is amazing. Yeah. Advent is amazing. Really, our, our our lives our lives radically changed. Like we're hearing yeah. from from those folks witnessing uh, Saint John's Saint John the Baptist preaching. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's hard in the sense of like living in the present and uh, coming to terms with understanding this uh, the Advent and um, Jesus coming for for me, Nikki, mm-hmm. and for you, James, and for the world. Like that's big Mm -hmm. and um kind of unbelievable and then balancing that with but my kid even though i read the christmas story to him still has this expectation of getting a ps5 that i can't find and then i have all this anxiety about i don't want want to be disappointed i don't Mm -hmm. i want him to feel the love of jesus coming into the world and will he feel it if he doesn't get what he wants Mm -hmm. That, I'm that a makes little me... bit on the struggle bus with, with balancing, you know, cause I yeah. kind of feel like I, I am, I want to be right in the middle of like the mountain and the valley at this real nice, even place mm-hmm. that doesn't make me seasick. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'm, I'm like tipping a little lower into the sure. valley than. Sure. And I, and I don't, I, you know, I think, I think that life is about m- more about maybe continuing to strive for that balanced place than it is for really experiencing the balance, right? Because we, we, there's always going to be stuff. There's always going to be stuff. Like even if you could get your kid a PS5, it doesn't mean he's going to be happy. And it doesn't mean that, that, that the joy that he experiences unwrapping that gift or playing with it or anything like that is going to really pay off. I think in the ways that we hope sometimes something like that will pay off. Right. Um, I recently bought a new car. I, I, I've been very, very fortunate that I've always had cars like kind of passed down to me from family. Okay. Mm. So, um, I, I've never really had to like go and, and haggle, and, haggle and <laughs> kind of sit through that and do all those things that you have to do buying a car. I was really, really excited to buy a car for the first time and, and it, I, you know, made it happen and did the financing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the experience of buying a car was kind of a nightmare, right? And I, I won't, I won't get into that, but there was, there was like a whole lot of stuff that I won't say went wrong because it's all kind of worked itself out. 
but it, but it wasn't what you expected. It wasn't what I, as, it wasn't what I expected. Yeah. Right. And so the, the lessons, uh, that I learned from that maybe weren't like lessons that I expected to have to really kind of deal with going into it. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a pretty good analogy for the way that we approach these kind of major moments in our families, these big moments mm-hmm. in the life of the church, even in, even like liturgically, right? Like I, I work with confirmation teens. I, you know, part of the gamble, part of the roll of the dice in, in preparing people for confirmation is that if you have these, you know, we, we confirm 70 kids a year, which sounds like a lot compared to a lot of other churches. It's not right. There's mm-hmm. churches that confirm like two and 300 kids at a time. Really? Right? Yeah. A year, a year. And wow. it's, it's like, how, how do you possibly make sure that all of those kids are really getting it? Yeah. Right. It's really kind of about managing your expectations as, as a, as a leader, as a, a, a youth minister or whatever, that as long as you're following Christ and that's not an easy ask all the time, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. as long as you're following Christ and as long as you're putting the focus on him, Christ will take care of the spiritual stuff that you can't see the rest right he'll, he'll take care of, of moving that mountain for that particular kid mm. odds are it's not going to happen when you see it like like when you're kind of there to see it right and yeah and there have been you know lots of times in in youth ministry where it's like you know me and the core team and these parents and these teen volunteers and you know we've all kind of poured out our heart you know and i've had this this one kid in mind that oh if we just if we just get this kid to this conference, that'll be it'll the thing. It'll be the thing that changes and it's, changes it for him. I won't say it hardly ever works out that way. Mm. I, I will say it almost, it, it never works out that way. It never works out according to my expectations. Okay. Anytime that a kid really has like a big conversion moment, it's always a huge shock to me. Oh, it's always like as a to huge, like the win or, I, or what yeah, caused it. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm still very blessed that I get to see it happen, but it's not something that, I can just predict. And I'm sure that's how a lot of parents feel at Christmas or birthdays or, you know, getting your kid to, to like math or something, right? Like, like that, it's just, it's so hard to predict. It's so hard to kind of, to kind of know when someone is going to make the choices they have to make to be in a relationship with God. And you just kind of have to be there again, waiting, right? Really having this hopeful (sighs) desire. Um, That's even hard for ourselves. It's like, when am I going to, yeah. What do I expect of myself and when am I going to get there? Oh, <laughs> right? why just say that? That was all going to be like, okay, listen, honestly, James, mm-hmm. can we, I want to hold my small group in prayer because mm-hmm. I feel like I've got a bag of ragamuffin kids who mm-hmm. are not necessarily interested in hearing gospel messages. And I'm really sad about that. And I don't, and I feel like I've resigned to, I don't need to be present when when Christ presents himself to you and you hear him. Mm-hmm. But I just want for their hearts to be open. Sure, sure. Would I like to witness their hearts be open? Yes. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, in the COVID times and wearing masks for our meetings and stuff like that, I just feel like I'm meeting with people who aren't interested in knowing him. Sure. And that makes me sad. Yeah. I, I... So pray for my small group. I've had that same feeling a lot um, in certainly in the last few years, but over my career in youth ministry, I've had that feeling often. Yeah. And um, a youth minister friend of mine uh, 
told me a long time ago that as as youth ministers are are we're not meant to necessarily be Christ. Like we can't get up on the cross and save anyone, mm-hmm. right? Like that's not that's not our, our job. role. Yeah. He what he, what he said what he said that was really profound. We're actually called to be Simeon, Ooh. and that when Simeon. Um, uh, you know, Simeon is in is in uh, when when Jesus is presented in the temple when he's eight days old. Uh, we'll, we'll hear about it here shortly in in the in the readings. Um, uh, that he was someone who it was promised by God that he would see the Savior. He's this old this old man that mm-hmm. this old priest that has you know he's been around forever and he's blind and uh, but he recognizes Christ. He recognizes this this child and then he prays this prayer of kind of being able to let go. Ugh. Right, and and this prayer of this real catharsis of kind of saying, yeah. now you can let Lord, now you can let your servant go. You can let me go in peace, because you brought me to where you promised you would bring me. Yeah. Right, that's beautiful. Simeon had to be a wreck at different times, waiting on that to happen. Yeah, because we don't know we don't know when he heard that. Yeah, right? more so, stories of waiting yes. and examples of waiting. So just imagine that he imagine that he hears that mm. when he quote becomes a man at around 14 years old. Mm. Imagine that's when this revelation happens and he's waiting his whole life. Or, or, I mean, to me, it would even, I mean, it would be excruciating even for like a month of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like God, Hey, you're going to meet the Messiah. When? Now? When? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know? And, and so, but it, it gave me a lot of, it does give me a lot of hope in the sense that God takes care of Simeon. Mm Mm-hmm. And we see that his life is productive and we see that there's this really beautiful providence from God um, that not only kind of makes Simeon um, a faithful person, right? But also, in a lot of ways, makes Simeon kind of a hero in faith, right? Yeah, he's, he, he's definitely one to model. Exactly. That, that, that you're, you're, you've kind of put on this patience and you've put on this... The sense of responsibility mm-hmm. to, to, to wait it out and to kind of lean into this Ooh, discipline of waiting. Yeah. Um, and again, it's a very active thing. Simeon is a priest in the temple, right? Which means he's doing things and uh-huh. he's praying and he's keeping up this relationship. And he he's kind of like on the little the little escalator sidewalk at the airport. He's not just standing there. Exactly. He's walking in. He's, he's walking in. He's and he, forward. yeah, exactly. And you know. It's, there's nothing about that that's not hard. Well, and the hard thing, I think, for us now in the 21st century is this this instant gratification of everything. Everything, That yeah. the waiting just feels torturous. Mm-hmm. And so how, how, how hard it is for us to keep our eyes on the Simeons and, and Mother Mary mm-hmm. and wait patiently or or impatiently but gracefully gracefully yeah um, that's something i'm sh- driving mm-hmm. towards very unsuccessfully there's a uh, a friend of ours a mutual friend of ours uh, leland butler oh, leland. Um, who i've heard um uh give a talk where he talks about like surrendering your life to god right and and kind of um he's just like all of us he's been through a lot of things in his life and he realized it at different at different points in his life that he had to kind of give that stuff to God. And one of his big revelations that he talks about is that, uh, you know, surrendering to God is not giving up. When we think of surrender, we think of like you're in a war and you put your hands up, you wave the white, white flag, flag, and you yeah. kind of give up. Well, because what are our examples of surrender that that are actually surrendering and exactly. not giving up? Yeah. What's that look like? So 
his his wisdom was that surrendering is not giving up. It's just to stop fighting back. Oh, right. So it's the struggle with the kid who's like, I don't want to go here, to and stop, then they to when stop they go struggling, limp, is it to, to stop struggling limp? and to allow God to kind of carry you. Yeah, right. Ah. To allow God to kind of pull you through things, and you know. When that doesn't mean that in our heart or in our mind we're not still conflicted, or that yeah. it doesn't hurt, or that <gasps> that's good, or that we're not even really questioning things and really kind of you know um, trying to work this stuff out with God, it means that we're allowing God to kind of lead the way in that conversation. We're allowing God to kind of direct those steps, right, to, to carry us a little bit, and that's you know that's hard. Yeah. It's it's hard. That's a that's a hard decision to come to it's a hard decision to make it's a hard decision to stick with and it feels like a new thing to practice so mm-hmm. any new thing is is difficult is, is, is difficult and you're um, unsure i'd be unsure of like uh, am i but, doing this right but when we but when we do that i mean even in even in little ways if we could if we could commit to doing that with one thing a week yeah at the end of a month we would be very different people okay. you know if, if we just kind of said hey god i'm gonna every time that i you know, there's someone in my family that I'm not getting along with. Anytime that I interact with this person, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you into that conversation. I'm going to pray to you first, hmm. right? I'm, I'm sorry, but those conversations would change. Those interactions with those people, you would see a huge difference, not only in your behavior, but also in their reception In their reception and God's response, hmm. right? Providentially. In, in those in those circumstances, allow him to move the mountains. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that I mean that that's a I think a really beautiful way to sum up Advent. Okay. Okay, John the Baptist, I believe you. I'm gonna let God do that. Okay. Okay, John the Baptist. I'm gonna uh, seriously. You're you're saying it. I I believe it. That's what Isaiah said. I'm gonna sit here and let God move those mountains in mm-hmm. my life. And I'm gonna do it with this hopeful desire of Mary. I'm gonna do it expecting. Mm. That this king, the king of the universe, is doing it for me. He's coming for me. Because those are all the things that he's promised. Yeah. Yeah. And if he said it, it's true. And he's going to be this little baby in a manger. You didn't say squishy. I was totally anticipating. Little squishy baby. Little squishy baby. I like squishy. Squishy little babies. Little babies, yeah. Ooh. I I love Advent. And then there's also like the expectation, I think, that I place on myself with... Um, liturgical seasons, like mm-hmm. wanting to be the, I'm using air quotes, good Catholic. Mm-hmm. I've got to be in love with Advent and do all of the mm-hmm. liturgical things. And I, oh, there's, there's pressure there, but I think um, I, I found I'm doing this uh, study with a book that's mm-hmm. been so lovely. It's this. Okay. Um, you can say what it is. You it's, should. It's the Adore book by Father John Burns. Okay. It's so good. And I think for me, I have, um, this is per total personal thing. Like could be other people could feel this way too, but mm-hmm. I'm speaking from, why am I being so weird? Sometimes the weirdness comes through. It's okay. Anyway. You know, it makes it less weird <laughs> is acknowledging it. <laughs> I can't help it. Okay. So like prayer in and of itself mm-hmm. with scripture. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. When we include the journaling with prompts, yeah. holy smokes, Same. it's exponential Same. in, in how close it's like, it's like I can see the Holy spirit with a needle and thread and mm-hmm. he's just stitching me closer mm-hmm. and it's just beautiful. There was this, this time, I think in our, in, the, in our salvation history, this, this tradition, both in Israel and in the early church 
where we talked about scripture a lot together, mm-hmm. right? There wasn't necessarily a way for everybody to have access a- access to the scriptures or to even writing things down about how they felt about the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? Like that wasn't a thing that people did, but they did talk about it. Mm-hmm. They talked about it, like literally sat, sat around at the temple and talked about it. Mm-hmm. I think that journaling for me kind of replaces that, uh, mm-hmm. or, or it kind of, it kind of, um, kind of wakens up that need to, okay, I want to process this somehow. Right, right. right. I, I want to talk about it with someone. I want to write it down and look at it or or maybe take some notes and then come back to those notes, right? Any any time that I think that we're taking that extra step, um, even when you look at something like Lexio Divina mm-hmm. or, or even just, just reading the mass readings like ahead of time, like we're called to do uh, to prepare for mass, I think that that idea that we're going to, we're going to kind of let the scriptures marinate a little bit. Yeah. And we're going to kind of um, pull things out, I think, that really apply to us as opposed to like, oh, yeah, I read that, you know, or I heard or I heard it read at mass. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and you just kind of kind of move on. It's like we need to have more than one touch point. So exactly. the yeah. writing, the listening. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, oh, gosh, our church loves the incense. Lots of lots of. And it's <laughs> like when I walk into, you know, the church building, mm-hmm. even if it's like an hour before mass, just from the mass before the lingering incense, it's, it does my whole entire soul good. And I just feel happy. There's this commercial with, uh, with Jim Gaffigan. <gasps> I love the Gaffigan. Where he, um, I don't remember, I don't even remember what it's for, but he's opening Christmas presents and it's like <laughs> a, a present from his grandma and he opens it and it's a sweater that's obviously too small for him. And he's like, Oh, a sweater. Thanks grandma. <laughs> right. And then he, he, he smells it. He smells the sweater and he goes, ah, it smells like church. <laughs> I just, I love the I Catholic. Think, I think, I, I think a lot of, a lot of us, uh, who were raised Catholic can probably relate to Absolutely. that. But there's, there's a smell, uh, Advent and Lent that when the yeah. incense is really, you know, um, it's really I just powerful. I think yeah. it's God calling to us and just really drawing us near mm-hmm. that I want to be a part of all of your senses. Mm-hmm. I didn't give you all those senses so you can keep them to yourself. Sure. I want to be a part of those senses. Yeah. Yeah. And I want you to use I'm those senses to, to look for me. Yeah. Right. And, um, there's, there's a, there, there was something that you said earlier, um, about like, you know, you, you want to be in love with Advent. Right. Mm-hmm. And I immediately thought the thing that I dislike the most about Advent is that we have like two real Advent songs. Yeah, what are the Advent songs? We're like trying to think of Advent songs. Oh, come, for, oh, come, Emmanuel. Yeah, mm. I'm sure there's some others, but nobody knows them. Like, right. Like, what are the ones that are really in? One? Like, let's write a song. Okay. I don't know how to write music. Okay. I already, <laughs> I already started thinking about this, and I've already kind of written an Advent song. <gasps> oh, good. But I want to. I don't have time to record it now. Okay. Um, but hey, maybe, you guys, Advent 2022. Advent get 2022. Ready. Maybe I'll try to put a little demo of it out there before Christmas. That's not four thousand years. We can wait a year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. I will be anxiously awaiting the year. Um, but yeah, it's like, <sighs> you know, and then Advent songs are also not upbeat. And we're supposed to be a little more austere yeah. during Advent. We're supposed to be a little more solemn, right? Austere um, is such a fancy word. It is a fancy word. Um, but I that doesn't mean. tweed when you're saying but that doesn't. Wise, but that doesn't good. mean we can't be joyful. I don't know. I, okay, because you said earlier that Advent is not a time of penance it is it is but it, it would you say it's not a penitential season it's, it's not, not a like penitential Lent. season okay so what advent we still have like missions and we have big um reconciliation services we do. to prepare our hearts to cleanse our we do 
Um, so, so the chief penitential season uh, in the life of the church is Lent, right? So at Lent, we are specifically moving towards our most holy days, and we're moving towards those days um, in a penitent way, which essentially means on our knees, right? Mm-hmm. On our knees before mm-hmm. God, kind of begging for forgiveness for our sins. We want to be reconciled to God. We certainly want to be reconciled to God during Advent, but we want to be reconciled to God. A different so posture. That, it's a different posture so that we can um, more appropriately uh, appreciate, more appropriately participate in his coming into the world. We're focused on the incarnation, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the the birth of the king, the birth of Christ, Christ becoming a human being. At the During Easter, we're focused on his passion, death, and resurrection. Or, I'm sorry, during, during Lent, we're focused on moving towards his passion, death, and resurrection, right? All three of those things are glorious. Mm-hmm. There's glory in Christ's passion. There's glory in his death. There's certainly glory in his resurrection, right? There's glory in his incarnation at Christmas. But what those events signify for us, um, there's some there's some little details in there that, that maybe change our approach a little bit, mm. right? So um, when we're looking at his passion, you know, if you watch The Passion of the Christ, the movie, it's it's a sad thing. It's mm-hmm. a tough thing to watch, right? And And... You know, however historically accurate that movie was, like someone being crucified, someone being flogged and then crucified uh, was horrible. It's still, capital punishment is still horrible, right? Yeah. Like it's, that's, it's an ugly, really ugly side of humanity. It is okay to be sad during Lent. It is okay to be sad for your sins during Lent, right? Uh-huh. It is okay to be happy during Advent because you know that Jesus is is on the horizon okay. in the liturgical calendar, right? That doesn't preclude you from being, uh, from wanting to get closer to Christ. So just like your, 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 maybe your sadness or your, um, your, your wantonness Mm -hmm. for God should motivate you to move towards Christ. So does your happiness. So does your joy. So does your anticipation, right? So both seasons are propelling us deeper into this relationship with God, one is penitent in the sense that we are focused, we are called to be focused during Lent on the things that we need to change about our lives, mm. the things that we need to improve, right? In Advent, while that's part of it, it's more a focus on embracing the coming of Christ. Okay. So we're more focused on 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 who he is and kind of how he compels us to move forward in our life. At Lent, we're focused on who he is, but how that compels us to, to make our lives right mm. according to the standards that he sets for us. Okay. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the two go hand in hand. Uh, the church doesn't necessarily want us to, to focus on, I don't want to say, I don't know any other way to say this on the shame on all the other bad stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. During Advent. Okay. Because it is, so it's seasonal, It is seasonal. but, but, but throughout the calendar year Mm -hmm. and the liturgical year, Mm -hmm. we are drawing near. Yeah. And it's sort of like, bear with me. I think like a mom, because I am one, um, it's sort of like mother Mary is just holding us and swaying us and just keeping us, um, not pacified, bad pacified as I love you. And I'm going to be with you through this Mm -hmm. as we go through the seasons back and forth Mm -hmm. of traveling with God through the desert in Lent and then anxiously awaiting his arrival Mm -hmm. during Advent. Mm -hmm. And we just sway, sway with Mary. I love it. I love it. And if that's, and if that's a, uh, if maybe you're, if you're a man like me and maybe that's a tough, um, 
analogy, right? Because we don't have the same experience as mothers. Think about St. Joseph. Mm, Think about mm -hmm. St. Joseph. So uh, Joseph in the Old Testament, right, um, is the final patriarch of the people of Israel. He's the one that that his his brothers sell him into slavery in Egypt, and he leads Mm. all of Israel into Egypt where they, they become enslaved, and the whole thing, you know, the whole thing starts, right? He's the final patriarch, okay? The first and only patriarch of the New Testament is St. Joseph, mm. who, this is a different Joseph, um, right. who is betrothed to Mary. He's a, he's a, a, the gospel calls him a righteous man. He doesn't have a single word in scripture. His job is literally to protect and care for Mary and Jesus and to bring Mary and Jesus in, in hiding as refugees mm-hmm. from Egypt to Bethlehem mm-hmm. where Jesus will be born. Right. And so as we're, you know, you think about the challenges of, of as a man, as a woman, as anyone who, as anyone who loves anyone else, right. You think about the challenges that Mary and Joseph both faced and mm-hmm. how they, they had to be patient. Mm-hmm. They had to be, you know, they didn't have a choice but to wait. They didn't have a choice but to kind of put one foot in front of the other and, and, and trust that God was going to lead them where they needed to go. Whether that's Lent, Advent, ordinary time, Christmas time, whatever liturgical season we're in, that is the trust that God wants from us, mm. right? That is, that is really what it's about. So if you're, if you're someone who struggles to go to Mass, um, you know, the other 50 weeks a year and you only go on Christmas and Easter, that, that struggle in your heart might be, well, God can't forgive me, or I just don't have time, or I get so lost in mass, or I don't like the people there, or whatever, I don't want to say excuse, but whatever obstacle is there, right? Again, I'm going to thank our friend Leland Butler. This is another Mm -hmm. pearl of Leland's wisdom. He says, don't worry about going to mass every Sunday. Just worry about going next Sunday. Mm. Just worry about going the next Sunday. Just put that, that, that's really excuse me, that's really kind of the, the trust that Joseph and Mary, I think, exemplify is it's just kind of saying yes. And whenever the next obstacle comes, mm-hmm. they say yes again. The next yes. And then focus on the focus next. Focus on the next yes, yes. right? And um, it's we're not saying that it's easy, but we're saying that's kind of what it takes to be um, not only a disciple, but to be prepared, yeah. to be preparing, to be really, again, proactively waiting on God to move, on mm-hmm. God to, to kind of show up in your life. And, and I think what that does more than anything is it helps us to be, to be even in that proactivity, it helps us to be still in our hearts mm-hmm. so that we really, we're really just kind of recognizing how he's already doing his thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. For sure. For sure. Well, we are, um, we're just about out of time okay. for today. Uh, we're going to come back with, um, a guest next week. Nikki, do you want to tell our ragamuffins about our guest? No. No? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I kind of want it to be a surprise. Okay. Well, let's have it be a surprise then. Okay? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. This will be, ha ha. <laughs> I'm surprising you. You just have to wait. Um, you have to wait. You have to wait. So. I think it's in honor of the season. Absolutely. Let's just patiently wait. Okay. Cool. I Sounds can good. promise good conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a given. I think. Yeah. yeah, especially if we're as caffeinated as we both are today. Oh, I love coffee so Me much. Too. God bless coffee. God bless coffee. Yep. 
All right. Well, we are going to pray and then we're going to get out of here and we will uh, see you next week as we prepare to kind of close out Advent. And we'll talk more about Advent, more about waiting, um, especially as we kind of ramp up that final week before Christmas. Yeah. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ragamuffins, thank you so much. We are praying for you this Advent. We hope that you're praying for us. Um, if you want to do something special for Advent, uh, find someone to pray for. Mm, like, find someone yeah. specifically to pray for. Let that person know that you're praying for them. Um, family member, random stranger, whatever. Just let them know that you're praying for them. Um, I think uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of kind of what God is trying to to, to lead us to in Advent uh, is really come through, or really or we can really appreciate it through through community, right? Like like mm-hmm. like so many other times uh, in our yeah. in our faith life. So um, find someone to pray with, pray for, and uh, and we're we're praying for you. I'm gonna be praying for our patron saint of this episode. Leland Butler. Leland Butler. That's right. Saint Leland Butler. We shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, he's certainly he, only because he's not. He hasn't. Passed he's still on. with us. He's still with us. That's a nicer <laughs> way to say that. Thank you, Nikki, for saving me. He would uh, get a kick out of that. Um, I'm sure he'll be beatified and canonized uh-huh. shortly after his his passing. Um, we love you, Leland. If you're if you're listening, and we love you too, Ragamuffins. Yeah. Peace out. Peace. Nikki just like, Nikki like just I crossed herself my, again. Cross again. That was awesome. Uh, I can't not cross a million times. to Church Podcast is an AMET Creative production and is hosted by James Longoria and Nikki Moncada. Our theme music is Candle in the Shadows by the Poor Kings. Check them out on Spotify or wherever you download music. Incidental music is by Punch Deck. Find us on Instagram at Late to Church Podcast and let us know your questions, comments, and thoughts by contacting Late to Church Podcast at gmail.com. Your insights might even be featured on the show. Just a little reminder, you are good. You are worthy. You are the beloved. Look around for the Lord today. He loves you and he wants an encounter with you. Thank you for journeying with us. We're praying for you. Peace.